You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I am joined by Josie Kestenbaum. Josie grew up playing all different kinds of sports and was very active. When she was in high school in 2010, she was diagnosed with PCOS and then lupus in 2011. She then went on to college to get her degree in early childhood education and special education. Since she was diagnosed, she was very interested in alternative health solutions. Her love for holistic health started with essential oils and grew into a deeper love for all things gut health. After five years of teaching, she decided she wanted to take a new route for her life and became a certified essential oils coach, nutritional therapy practitioner, and is currently en route to become a restorative wellness practitioner where she focuses mainly on metabolic and gut health. It was such an honor and a joy to record this podcast. I mean, I literally felt like I was just talking with a friend. We could have talked for hours. I think it was a pretty long podcast, um, but we could have just kept talking. And I love the topic of gut health. And this is what the majority of this episode is all about. And, you know, as I've been going through Instagram and social media, like you hear, you hear this all the time saying, well, fix your gut health, fix your gut health. And then this will be better. But what does that even mean to fix our gut health? And I found myself asking that and I know what it means for me, but it's kind of an arbitrary statement. And so I thought, you know, I really need someone on here to talk about gut health and what that really means. And she definitely delivered. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and you gain some tidbits of wisdom and insight that you can use in your own gut health healing journey because it really is the foundation of everything. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the show, Josie. Yay. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah. I am so excited to have you on. It's, it's always a a little bit of a surreal experience to talk to someone face-to-face when you watch them on Instagram. I say that all the time, but it's true. It's like, (laughs) I watch you. I watched you yesterday. I watched you today. Yeah. And, now you're, and now you're sitting right in front of me. I know. Isn't it crazy how technology works? I feel the exact same way. It's like you almost know that person, mm-hmm. but you don't actually know them in real life, but it mm-hmm. just seems like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or like when you listen to a podcast and then you talk to them and you're like, oh yeah, I recognize your voice. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like me taking walks with you in my ear, listening to your podcast. And then I'm like, look at us. (laughs) Look at us go. So let's start off the conversation by you giving us a little bit of background information about yourself, how you got to where you are now and, and why you're practicing in this field. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I originally, um, when I was in high school, I like, I grew up pretty, normal, like standard American diet as most, I'm a millennial. So most millennials do. And during our time growing up, all this fancy, crazy food came out, all these cereals and all this fun, like 
purple ketchup, you know, all of these things. Yes, that I remember out. that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. The purple, the green, it was all crazy, weird things that came out. And so of course, like, you know, your parents just think they're doing the best they can and they're, they're excited for all these fun things to come out too, you know, and we're all just doing the best we can growing up in this crazy world. And so, um, I had a pretty, normal standard American and Midwestern diet. My mom and I were just talking about this the other day. It was like, we love our casseroles and our, I don't even know if you or the listeners will know, but like cream chicken sandwiches and stuff. It was just, yeah, it was just like crazy things that we would have in the Midwest. And you don't really think that it might not be healthy because you just, it's just normal, you know? So I grew up that way and like my mom made home meal, homemade meals all the time, but we would go out to eat here and there and everything too. So grew up eating at home, grew up, but pretty much eating a standard American diet. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I was diagnosed. I had very painful periods, very extremely painful where I would be on the ground in the bathroom for hours. I would miss days of school every cycle and just in so much pain. And we finally went to, it was funny because the one day I remember telling my mom, I'm like, mom, I think I need to go on birth control. And she just was like, what? Why? You're a sophomore in high school. Why do you need to go on birth control? You know, how just kind of like going to your mom and um, her having a reaction that's fairly normal. And I went, I was just like, I've just heard that it helps with cramps. I don't know. Like, that's just what was, it was really prevalent at that time and really, really starting to come out. And so I'm like, I don't know. I heard about it. Let's go get it checked out. And, you know, she was a little bit iffy, but our gynecologist at the time, we shared the same gynecologist. She was fabulous. She was a nurse. Well, she was a nurse practitioner, not a gynecologist, but she was fabulous. She was so kind, respectful, caring, like really, truly cared about, um, her patients. And that's really hard to find a lot of the times with doctors nowadays. And, and I know there are fabulous doctors out there and nurse practitioners and gynecologists and all sorts, but it's really far and few between. And you really have to really find that, um, or just two jives together, you know? So she was very, very respectful of just what I was feeling. And she actually, her daughter was going through something similar as what I went through or I was going throughout the time. And she said, yeah, birth control is going to be your only option. So, you know, she was a fantastic person, human being, but she didn't know any better either at that time, because that's what a lot of Anybody in that field, that's a lot of what they're told is that birth control is going to be the end all be all the cure for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up getting on birth control at the time. And then two years, well, two school years later, but like a year, whatever, a year and a half later, um, in my senior year of high school, I was diagnosed with lupus. And so it was crazy because I was in my anatomy and physiology class. And mind you, I did not grow up very excited about science or math. I was just not that type of person. I was very, um, I loved anything to do with English, reading, writing. I loved, um, social studies, like anything like that, but I just science and math just didn't click with me at the time, but I started this anatomy and physiology one course and it all clicked. It was just like, 
this is, I love this stuff. Mind you, I also knew I was going to college for early childhood education. So I had nothing to do with what I was going to school for, but I loved it. And I knew like, I was just so great at it. Well, the one day in class, um, I, we were sitting there watching a movie and all of a sudden it popped up about autoimmune disorders. And I had just been diagnosed with lupus. And then on the screen pops up a patient with lupus and all, it was like the most hardcore lupus symptoms ever. Like this isn't just like, here's a, here's what lupus could potentially be. It's like, this is the worst of the worst of lupus just had been diagnosed days before I break down. I'm in the front row of my class and I just walk out and like, no, and I'm not that type of person. I grew up like teacher's pet, like loved my teachers, even though I wasn't, I was very like lower and I was just slower than some of my classmates. So I was very humorous and I used that as a crutch (laughs) and just like really to get a good relationship with my teachers, because like I said, in my math and science, I wasn't, I wasn't the greatest. So I would just kind of make fun of it and, you know, just to make myself feel better. And so in this class that I thrived in, I finally found something that was awesome for me. I just left the class and like, didn't have any, any explanation as to why. So I ended up coming back later and telling her I just was diagnosed with that. That was very hard for me to watch because when I was in my doctor's office, I was diagnosed with that. And mind you, there was months and months of testing before I was even diagnosed. So when I finally got diagnosed, I was like, what does that mean? Like truly, am I, am I dying? Am I going to only live a few years? I had never heard of it before. I, I had no idea what it meant. So diagnosed with that. And it was just a big struggle because I was diagnosed and that's what I saw. And I didn't know anything else besides the packets and pamphlets that they gave me. And they sent me on my way and gave me my medicine that I was supposed to take. And then I see this video. So that was kind of when I finally was like, I've got to learn how to take care of myself, you know, and I'm a senior in high school. I'm 17 years old. And what, like, what is my life right now? I have no idea. So then, um, a year later when I was a freshman in college, my best friend was into essential oils. And she, and that was when they were like fresh, brand new. And I was like, what is this witchcraft sorcery you're trying to do on me? Get it away. I'm not doing this. And it was just so funny because I was so like, I like, that's craziness. I don't believe in that stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I love essential oils because (laughs) they truly helped me so much with pain management and my mood. And just, I was like, I don't know if it's a placebo, but it's working. And so then I started doing a lot more research and, and I was finding that there are so many medicinal effects of them if they're used wisely and carefully. And just like anything, like we want to be very careful about what we're using, but I was really loving and loving learning about that. So I was super into essential oils for a while and I was going through college. I was living my life, really hurting my liver, (laughs) not getting enough sleep, not eating right, but I was still learning about how to eat right and how to take care of yourself. So doing the complete opposite, but loving learning about what I'm doing. Right. 
And so as that time went on, I really started to be like, okay, and I'm in school for early childhood education and um, like early childhood slash special education. So I got like a dual licensure in that loved, loved that. And I found myself when I was working with the special education side of things, really focusing on their health and how really researching a lot about how eating and all of that can really affect everything else. And so I just loved learning about that correlation of everything. And so that actually really helped continue to steer me in that way. And so I graduated, I moved to Charleston from Ohio, Charleston, South Carolina from Ohio, just wanted a fresh new start to things. I always wanted to live by the beach. And as I was teaching, like I loved teaching, but teaching is so different than what they teach you in college. (laughs) Like it is nothing like what they teach you. You're decorating your door, you're doing all these fun things for your students. And then you get into the actual classroom it's paperwork, it's testing, it's all of this stuff. And it's insane. And I, the first couple of years, I'm not even going to get into how it's a whole nother story for another time. All the chaos that went on when I moved down here, getting switched schools and grades a couple days before school started. It was, it was just an insane time. So mind you, I'm in a new place. I have all this stress going on with me and I'm just tired. And I hadn't even started teaching. So that's how my teaching career started. And so I just was on like this mental and physical decline when I got here. And this was six years ago. And so a couple of years go by and I'm like, this is not okay. I've been teaching for two years and I'm miserable. I'm like, I just don't even want to do this anymore. And I'm still learning about health and wellness and all of this stuff. And I had really started to follow so many people on Instagram and their websites that are in the holistic field. And one person that I really was following for a while was, um, Emily Schramm. I don't know if you know who she is, but she was originally on, um, the real world, I believe Okay, yeah. on MTV. And then she ended up going on the challenge and she has like a fitness page and a health and fitness page now, but this was four years ago. And I saw my friend from college was like working alongside of her with her health journey. And she was Emily. It went through the nutritional therapy association to be a nutritional therapy practitioner. And I had no idea what that was, but I was like, she can help me. Like whatever her program is, she can help me. So I joined one of her programs and literally after a month of being in her program, I had no brain fog anymore. I had very little bloating. I just felt so much better in my everyday life. And it was like a huge wake up call that, oh my goodness, all she focuses on is very simple foundational steps. And it really, truly changed my life in a month. And I couldn't believe that. So just really implementing these foundational steps was so beneficial for me. And four years ago, after, after that month, I was like, I'm going to become a nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm going to be an NTP and I'm going to help people just like she's helping people because I needed that so bad. And I know that there's tons of people out there who need that healing effect too. So I went and became a certified essential oils coach because I really, truly believe that they can be very beneficial when used wisely. Um, 
And then I became a nutritional therapy practitioner. And now I am currently in the restorative wellness solutions to be a restorative wellness practitioner so that I can run GI map tests and MRT food sensitivity tests on my clients as well. So long story long, that's how, that's my journey and how I came about it. So, yeah. Amazing. We, we love the long version on, on <laughs> yeah. the podcast Yeah. <laughs> for, for those listening, what is lupus? Like what it's an autoimmune disease, but what were your symptoms and like, what is the trajectory of that disease? Right. So lupus is very different for everyone. And honestly, what I say is lupus is a very broad umbrella term for there's a lot of things wrong with you and we just don't know exactly what it is. So we're going to name it lupus, Uh. which is. Yes. Which is very frustrating. Like fibromyalgia. Exactly. Or migraines. Right. And with lupus, you have symptoms of like rhinoids disease where your toes get super cold and white or red and hurt. And you're like your toes, your, your fingers, your nose, um, you can get like rheumatoid arthritis. You can have like super bad digestive distress, horm or hormones, migraines and brain fog, your hormones can be out of whack. And there's just so many different. Well, and then for those who have a systemic type of lupus, which luckily mine has not gone systemic, which means that it goes to your internal organs. Um, I have had some weird things go on, but mine's more cutaneous, which means it's on the skin and then it affects my joints and it does affect my brain, like brain fog and stuff like that too. So and I've had rhinoids feelings and arthritis feelings. So there I've had a lot of effects, but it hasn't gone systemic where it has really affected my organs. But for those who it does go systemic, it can affect your kidneys. Most likely is where it usually affects your liver and then it can affect other, other places as well. But there are a lot of lupus, um, warriors out there who have had to get like kidney transplants and, um, liver and yeah. So it's, it can be very detrimental and it can be very invasive. And so that is why I was, I was like, I can't, I can't let it get like that for me if I can help it, you know? And, and I don't want to be insensitive to anybody else because I know that it is, it is something that is so extremely frustrating mentally, physically, emotionally, everything, especially for those who are like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. And I just feel like I'm getting worse. So it is, it is a tough battle. And, but I have been very fortunate that mine has been mild compared to what it can be, but Oh, sorry. Go on. Do you think some of your lifestyle practices have contributed to the severity being less? I do. I absolutely do. And, and honestly, like I said, like I went through college and there were times where I'm like, I'm really going to focus on my health. And then, but then I really didn't. And so I'm very lucky and fortunate that it didn't get a lot worse than it did while I was in college because I just wanted to live. I, I had that mindset of, I'm not going to let this take over my life. I'm just going to live my life and enjoy it. But that was a 
terrible mindset <laughs> to have when your mindset is that and you live your life in like a harmful way. Right. Then instead of being like, I'm not going to let this take over my life. I'm going to live my life and enjoy it and take care of my body while I'm doing it. So I went the former route instead of the latter and I should have taken the latter, but Hey, right now I have been working, really working on my health for probably, um, four years, very carefully now, um, since I started that Emily Sham program, I've been really working on my health very carefully. And, um, there've been times where like, I've gone out and I, I just like enjoy myself or have eat whatever I want. Like if I'm at this place or whatever, but I am very mindful about what I bring into my home, what I eat on a daily basis, how I move my body and really focusing on the foundations of your health. And I really do think that is one of the biggest things we can do. Mm. For those, I don't know how many people listening would have lupus, but what were some of the things that worked for you? So one of the biggest things that works for me and works for me is just truly, this is going to sound so cliche, but working on my mental health because any any autoimmune disease or just any chronic disease is going to affect your mental health so much. And we know how important it is to connect that mind, body, spirit together, because it truly is all so interconnected together and what you're feeling in your brain, your body is going to react to it. And what your body feels, your brain's going to react to it. So really having a positive mindset. And that's why I, you, you talked about this on your stories the other day. And I was like, yes, go girl. Because I totally believe in that. We there's, there's time, there's a time and place to have a victim mindset when you're just in that, when you're in those feelings and feeling those feelings and in the thick of it. And you're just like, this is terrible. Like I just, this is terrible. I wish I felt a completely different way. You know, it's healthy to feel those feelings, And to be able to just like get through that and feel that. But then there's also a time when we need to be like, my body is going to heal itself, my body. And even if it doesn't completely heal itself, you still have that positive mindset of I can do this. My body can do this. My body wants to work for me. My body was made to work for me. And I'm going to live my life and give my body everything that it needs and that it was biologically made to have like sunlight and fresh air and walking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, often I find with my lupus and I love lifting weights. Like one of my favorite exercises is just lifting as heavy as I can. But there have been times often that my, my hands hurt really bad after I lift or my muscles are just so sore and not, not that good sore. Like, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's those leg days where you can't sit on the toilet after, after you've been lifting, but this is like a painful, just, I can't deal with this type of soreness. And, and I have to realize, okay this is not a time where I should be lifting right now. I need to do more walks and, and I can lift, but very, a lot lighter than what I'm lifting right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, or more stretching, more yoga type workouts, stuff like that. And that's something that a lot of us have to, like, that is hard for me. Cause I'm like, I'm tough (laughs) mentally, physically, everything. I'm a tough girl, but 
it's hard for me to take a step back and be like, my body doesn't want that right now. And I've had to learn to be able to rest and take steps back and be like, it's okay to not do that right now. And that does connect mentally as well, because we, we want to be able to do everything right. We, and there are just times with a chronic illness, you just can't, we can't always eat the way that everybody's eating. We can't do all the things that everybody is doing. And for me, it's like, I want to go to a bachelorette party, but I can't be in the sun for as long as everybody is out in the sun for. And so, you know, I have to remind myself, okay, you need to get shade. Like you're different with them, them. like your body is just different. And so there's, there's things that can be very mentally taxing for somebody who has any type of chronic illness, not, not just lupus, but any type of chronic illness. And the mental aspect is so important, but also just really found foundationally working on eating very nutrient dense, whole foods, drinking quality water, making sure that your water is filtered. And if you don't know what filter to get, try to just drink distilled water and put a little pinch of sea salt in there for remineralization in there. And cause minerals are so important for us and eating healthy fats that are like coconut oil and avocado oil and ghee. Ghee is such a great option, especially for those who are maybe like dairy sensitive instead of butter having ghee. And they're super nourishing for our cells because our cells function off of healthy fats and hydration and minerals, but Mm -hmm. we need to have those healthy fats in there. So eating healthy fats and getting enough sleep is so important. And that's something that I'm super guilty of because I'm a huge night owl. And I know when I don't get enough sleep that I just, my body just doesn't function. And there are times where I'm like, I want to stay up and read this book, or I want to stay up and watch the show or, but I have, I have to always remind myself, like your body literally cannot function without proper sleep. So you need to get to bed and you need to sleep well. So I have this little nighttime routine that I do to help me out. And everybody should have some sort of nighttime routine because it really helps us wind down and get ready for a good restful night's sleep, which is one of the absolute most important parts of anybody's health journey, but especially those with chronic illness. And yeah, just really focusing on foundational health is what is so extremely important for that. Mm, I love how you brought up the mental health, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But, But it is so true. Um, you know, I've struggled with chronic pain and all these mystery symptoms as well. And we know that functional impairment or chronic illnesses is comorbid with depression and anxiety. And so, you know, the two can play off each other. And if you don't really focus on your mental health, it's a vicious cycle. Those impairments become worse. Your sleep Mm -hmm. becomes worse. And like you said, sleep is one of the most important aspects of our health for our physical and our mental health. Right. So yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I also have Ray nodes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, they don't know why they look for different autoimmune diseases, but I mean, that is an autoimmune disease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is something that when we talk about gut health too, it's just everything's so interconnected. And a lot of times, like, that's why I'm like, 
for a while, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to niche in because I'm like, there's so many things I have that I want to help people with. Right. And what I've come down to realize is that so many of our chronic issues are due to blood sugar regulation, which is your metabolic health and gut health, which is digestion and proper nourishment of your gut and really focusing on that North to South digestion and really just focusing on your foundational health, but really it comes down to blood sugar regulation, digestion, and proper gut health. And, and a lot of times, again, we'll, we'll be thinking that we're doing absolutely everything right. And then we still have this, or we still have that. And it's, it's either not getting better or it's getting worse, or it's just stagnant and it's, Mm -hmm. there's nothing happening with it. And that is so frustrating. And I understand that as well, because it's like the other day I like, I do so many things, right. I feel like the other day I woke up and this happened to me three and a half years ago. And I, this was the only time it ever happened to me. And then it happened to me again, two or three days ago. And I woke up and my, my wrist and my forearms didn't look any different, but, and my ankles, they didn't look any different, but they felt so inflamed I could barely move my wrist. I couldn't even like push myself off the bed. I could like hold a glass, but sometimes I can't, um, when they get really bad, but it was like, what in the world, what happened? But we were outside It like dropped 20 degrees that day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, is it really the weather that is contributing to this? Because obviously that's one of the signs of a lot of people are like, oh, it's the weather or my arthritic knee is telling me it's going to rain today. (laughs) But it's like, but is that really it? You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. just like, it's so frustrating, but I do believe, I mean, with everything I've learned and everything I'm learning, like this is a completely different topic, more of like detoxing and stuff, but I do believe like parasites and, and toxins and all that stuff inside of you have a huge, a huge factor into all of that as well. And again, that's a completely different topic, but it's like, there's so many markers that we can look at. And for a normal person, like who I was like five years ago, looking and hearing all of this, looking at and hearing all of this stuff that could potentially be wrong with me is so overwhelming. And so that's as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I stop and I look at all the foundational things. And again, like I said, like mineral balance, blood sugar regulation, um, fatty acids, sleep, stress, and movement, your digestion, all of those foundational markers, because that is truly what is so important for us to look at for somebody who's not in this space, this health and wellness space, because they're coming in and being like, so frustrated, something's wrong with me, but I can't figure it out. And even when we have these things going on and we feel like we're doing everything right, sometimes it's good to take an assessment on yourself because, or even have somebody else look at what's going on because we might think we're doing everything right. But if somebody else is to look at it, or if we take like a little assessment and we see, oh, I'm lacking in this area, or my fatty acids aren't really as great as I thought they were, or my mineral balance is off. We can kind of see like, oh, okay. I thought I was doing everything right, but this marker is off. This is what I really need to focus on now. And 
again, there's so many other markers out there like parasites and all that stuff too, that we can be looking at as well. Um, but it's so important to just really start with our foundational health to make for sure that everything is in line, because if our foundations aren't in line, then going and moving on to all these supplements and all of these detoxes and all those things, they're not going to work when everything else isn't set into place correctly. And they could potentially be harmful. I mean, especially like if you're not ready to do something like a parasite cleanse, like it, it could be too much, like the endotoxins released and you don't have your detox pathways open. Exactly. Yeah. Could you could, you could be doing yourself a serious mischief. Exactly. I think a lot of people are so quick to be like, I need to go on a detox. I need to do this, but it's like, you're actually just filtering all of those toxins around you. And they're just being reabsorbed into your body. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you're, you're just letting them out, but they're getting reabsorbed and you're actually accumulating more than you actually think you are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So that's a Mm -hmm. good segue into gut health. You know, it's really interesting. I go through Instagram and and you hear like people say, and like, I love these accounts and they're like, fix your gut health and fix your gut health. And I'm like, what does that mean for the public? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, like you and I are in this space when we, when we hear fix your gut health, you know, we, we go to all manner of different things. Um, but to someone looking at that and reading those posts where it's like, fix your gut health, they're like, mm-hmm. what the heck does that mean? So, right in your perspective, what does a healthy gut look like? What does that even mean to have a healthy gut? And how would someone know if they didn't have a healthy gut? That is a fantastic question. So that was me (laughs) for the last 10 years. I'm like, yes, I need to fix my gut. I I'm going to fix my gut or I am (laughs) fixing my gut. Right. And so it's like, but what the heck am I actually doing? Like I'm, (laughs) I'm fixing my gut, but what does that even mean? And then you're fixing your gut for 10 years because you have no idea what you're doing. Right. And so we'll go over, I'm just going to go over what digestion is in, in depth. Uh, because I think it's really important to really know like all of the components of digestion, because that is all your gut health, right? How everything works together. And so I think it's important for anybody listening to just kind of know what digestion is because it's not just you're eating your food and it's coming out the other end, right? Going in one end and coming out the other, but there's so many components of digestion. And then, um, we'll go over like how to support yourself in that process. So there are three phases of digestion, the cephalic phase, which consists of the brain, the nervous system and the mouth and the gastric phase, which consists of the stomach and then the intestinal phase, which consists of everything else. So your digestion starts in the brain. And this is when you're starting to think about your food. You're starting to smell your food and allow, we're allowing ourselves to get into a parasympathetic state, which means that we are getting into a relaxed, calm state. We're very tranquil. And this means that our food enters our mouth. Okay. Ingestion begins here. And we want to chew our food about 15 to 30 times. I say 30 times, but I know some people are like, how in the world am I going to sit there and chew my food 30 times each? So start out with 15, if it seems a little excessive, but we do want to work our way up to about chewing our food 30 times each. This helps break down our food particles 
and then it mixes with our saliva to become a bolus and then moves through the esophagus. So then the bolus lands in the stomach and it becomes almost like this disinfecting chamber where it begins the gastric phase where protein digestion triggers the release of gastric juices. Okay. So then this stimulates the stomach muscles to begin to contract and form HCL, which is our stomach acid. And then changing pepsinogen into pepsin that breaks down our proteins where then the bolus is being digested, digested and broken down. It's churning and it's mixing into chyme. And then next is the intestinal phase. And here the chyme moves through the pyloric sphincter through the duodenum where secretin is then released and the acidity of chyme activates secretin release from duodenal cells in our intestines. Then these trigger the release of bicarbonate to neutralize the chyme in the presence of protein in the chyme and releases CCK or what the fancy term is cholecystokinin. And then next the gallbladder contracts and the pancreas secretes digestive enzymes. So one of the most important, <laughs> sorry, my phone is going off here. I'm like, what's going on? Um, one of the most important parts of digestion is your liver, your gallbladder, your digestive enzymes, and your stomach acid. These all work so interconnectedly with each other. And that's why it's so important for me to go through this because digestion, like I said, isn't just going in and going out. It is so many different components to it. So then once the gallbladder releases bile emulsifying, bile emulsifying fats into the chyme, the pancreatic enzymes break down the fat proteins and the carbs. And then the remainder of the small intestine, the small intestine jejunum and the ileum digestion happens by brush border enzymes, absorbing vitamins and micronutrients. So your macronutrients are your proteins, your fats, and your carbs, but your micronutrients are all the minerals, the vitamins that come from that, those macronutrients. So here is when all of those are absorbed into your small intestine. Then they're fully broken down macros and launching fatty acids are absorbed into the bloodstream. And the rest of what can be absorbed from the chyme is also absorbed and passes through the ileocecal valve into the large intestine. So we just did all of that from our brain through our small intestine. And now we're in our large intestine. And then here, the large intestine, the rest of what has not been absorbed, which is mostly water is just waste now and is eliminated as fecal matter. And we know where that comes out of, right? Yep. So that is a huge, like that is all what digestion is. Digestion is a huge process, right? And so we are doing so much mechanical and chemical breakdown. We are absorbing so much into our small intestine. And when our intestine is either what we call leaky gut, or there's intestinal permeability, which means that there are like little holes in our intestine there can be nutrients that's leaking out of our intestine. We can also have acid reflux, which is causing um, like sores and breakdown of our esophagus, which is 
not good. Nobody wants that, which is something we do need to work on. Um, and there are so many other like gastrointestinal disorders that we can, we can speak of. We know there's ulcerated colitis, there's Crohn's, there's irritable bowel. And so there's so many different things, but this all comes from our digestive system, not working properly. And one of the biggest things that we don't focus on often is that most of us, a lot of us really have a depletion of stomach acid because there are so many things that cause stomach acid depletion, but one of the biggest things is stress. And if you look at the world we're living in and our mental health and the go, go, go that we're constantly in, we have constant chronic stress, stress. Most of us, it doesn't matter if we are a stay at home mom. That's one of the most stressful jobs in the entire world. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't matter if we are just working from home. It doesn't matter if we're working in corporate, it doesn't matter what we're doing. There's a lot of stress on us constantly. And that can also deplete is one of the big, biggest contributing factors to depletion of stomach acid. When our stomach acid isn't working correctly, those pathogens aren't being neutralized. Those pathogens aren't being killed and broken down. And also we're just not breaking down our food properly. Mm -hmm. So when that stomach acid isn't working correctly, we can have pathogens that come through into our intestine that shouldn't be there. And there are other things put into place to kill those pathogens too, but our stomach acid, the acidity of that is the biggest thing to kill those pathogens before they come into our intestine. And so then if we also don't have enough stomach acid to acidify and break down that food, then we have larger food particles that are coming into our intestine. So this is pushing and breaking, like just think of like this huge object going through a really soft tunnel. It's gonna be hitting and going back and forth through everything. And it's going to be causing bruises and tears and damaged parts of this tunnel, right? Which is our intestine. So it's going to eventually break down and cause these little holes. And so what this allows is these food particles to get through our intestine, to get into our bloodstream. And this is when our body sees these food particles as foreign invaders. So these food particles are not supposed to be in our bloodstream. They're supposed to be going through our intestines out for elimination. So when they are in our bloodstream, our body sees these as foreign pathogens and our body's like, we need to kill it. It triggers our cells to come and kill these. And then we have these memory cells that come and they remember this for each time this food particle comes through. So you still have leaky gut or intestinal permeability. These food particles are getting through each time you eat it. So your body's going to have this reaction mechanism, right? It's going to have this alarm go off. And we might see this as abdominal pain, inflammation, brain fog, fatigue, because our body's working to kill this. And there are so many other symptoms, like we could have like diarrhea or something like that as well. Skin rashes, skin rashes, eczema, huge thing, huge. And a lot of this is just caused because our Northern digestion is not optimal. And so one of the biggest things that now we can do a protocol, um, specifically me, (laughs) or if you're working with a practitioner, but we could do a protocol that, and oftentimes you're going to want to just because, 
a lot of people are so depleted in stomach acid. We do need a little bit of supplementation to help us get to where we want to be, but we can always start. And where we always want to start is a food first approach. No matter what we will always want to try to start with a food first approach, unless you're so extremely depleted, then there are some great supplements out there that can help you, um, to kickstart this journey. Not that you should be on forever, but to help kickstart the journey. But one of the biggest things you can do when you are depleted in stomach acid. And one of the ways you can, you can tell if you're depleted in stomach acid is often if you're having bloating right after a meal or an hour after a meal, if you are, um, if you are just feeling like fatigued and tired and brain fogged after you're eating, if you have, if in your feces, you have these larger food particles that are undigested, that's a big, big warning that you don't have enough stomach acid to break down your food or that you're just not chewing your food enough. Right. So the biggest tips I can give you to help in this journey is number one, like I said, chew your food 15 to 30 times each, but we, we really want to start with getting yourself taking deep breaths. So before you even chew your food, what you can do is calm yourself down, take Take about five to 10, I would say 10 really big, deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth, getting yourself calm into this parasympathetic state to get yourself ready for digestion. We really want to try to be in a calm state before we eat, because this helps tell our bodies that we're not in fight or flight mode, that we are ready to rest and digest and get everything moving properly, that chemical and mechanical breakdown that needs to be happening properly. So breathing about five to 10 times each. And then if you feel like you're deficient in stomach acid, having about like half a lemon, half a lemon um, worth of juice in your water and drinking that about 15 to 30 minutes before each meal can help produce that stomach acid. Now, if you have acid reflux, there's other things we can do because we do not want you to be drinking this acidic drink because that can further damage your esophagus from what's going on. But if you're depleted in stomach acid, you don't have acid reflux, drinking about a half a lemon worth of juice with water, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes before you eat can be very beneficial to trigger that stomach acid to activate it. And then also you could do like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. And also with just like I would say like four ounces of water. And so that can be very beneficial before you eat your food. I've also heard that there's benefits of drinking it after you eat your food as well. But if you're trying to trigger that stomach acid before is going to help you a lot. If you're trying to do like a food first approach or like, I don't like to talk about a bunch of supplements when we're doing different things like this, because I don't want somebody to go out and buy all the supplements. I think it's handy to know what kind of supplements could be out there. Right. Uh, for therapeutic interventions. Exactly. Exactly. And so then, um, after that, that's going to like really help you obviously with that Northern digestion. And so that's something that if you're depleted and you're struggling with that, you're going to want to do that for a while. You're going to want to do that until you feel like your body is able to maybe start producing on its own. And it's really hard to kind of tell if your body is producing on its own, um, alone, but you can take, you can kind of like step back away from it and see if your body's reacting well without doing these protocols. Right. 
And then that's when you can tell, okay, I might need to be doing this for a little bit longer, or sometimes it's just beneficial because lemon juice is great for you. Apple cider vinegar is great for you. There's not, there's nothing wrong with doing that long-term. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that you can implement if you want to naturally try to get your stomach acid to work for you. And then if you have acid reflux, this is a different story. So acid reflux is when the, when your sphincters <laughs> in your stomach are not working correctly. And then you're having like a backup of food in your stomach and your, your sphincter is not emptying into your it's small intestine, how it's supposed to into your duodenum. So then you have this backup of what's happening is your stomach is trying to have, it doesn't have enough stomach acid. It's trying to do this mechanical breakdown. It's keeping your food in your stomach longer than it's supposed to. So then when it's, it's opening the top sphincter back into your esophagus and this, the acid that is producing and that food is coming back into your esophagus. So then it's causing this damage because it's not being broken down mechanically and chemically and released how it's supposed to. So what we want to do again is start from Northern digestion to South Southern digestion with our breathing, getting into a parasympathetic syrup parasympathetic state, chewing our food and really getting into that calm state to eat. So if you are having issues with that, there are other things we can put into place, like really soothing bone broth. Bone broth is extremely soothing. There's also, um, different supplements or like you could get a supplement that has like, um, milk thistle, dandelion root, um, licorice, all these different like therapeutic nourishing foods that can be very beneficial for your gut lining. Um, and then that just being able to implement some of those over time is going to really help heal and seal that esophagus lining before you would start implementing anything acidic into your diet. And that is something, if you have acid reflux, I just say, really go work with a practitioner, go work with somebody who knows what they're doing and who can help you with that, because that is something that you do not want to really mess with on your own. There are so many things that can be put into place foundationally and therapeutically with food, but it's really hard to do some of that on your own. Um, but some foods that are great with digestive enzymes that also help break down our food are like papaya is very nourishing and soothing. And for somebody with acid reflux, you probably don't want to use pineapple because it is also very acidic, but for somebody who doesn't have acid reflux, pineapples are very rich in enzymes as well. So those can be very therapeutic also. So having those, having those just to help with that nourishment and that soothing mechanism can be very beneficial. And also, um, slippery elm bark. I don't know if you've ever heard, have you heard of slippery oh, elm yeah. bark? Yep. Um, I'm, I'm sure you, yep. exactly. I'm sure you have, because it's, it's just in our community. Everybody talks about it. So marshmallow root, um, milk, thistle, slippery elm, those are all very, very nourishing. So slippery elm is one of the biggest things that I recommend to anybody who has acid reflux. And actually I'm drinking my tea that has it right now. Traditional medicinals has a throat. Love traditional medicinals, me yeah. too. Me too. They have so many great blends. And it's so funny because when you're younger and you're just looking at these teas, it's like, Oh, cool. Detox. Oh, cool. Stomach yeah. or whatever. But like, when you learn about it, it's like, Oh my gosh, these are 
amazing blends. They really, truly put so much time and effort into thinking what is the best, best herb or best plant to put into this, into this tea. And it is fantastic. So this throat co is a fantastic. Oh, yeah, I have that. Yeah. Yes. I love, and I just love the taste. Right. And so this is a great blend for anybody who has any gastrointestinal, anything, any acid reflex, um, especially slippery elm has been really great, um, for helping with anybody with like colitis or, um, Crohn's disease. It's been known to be very beneficial for Crohn's disease. So, um, I really recommend the traditional medicinals throat coat with slippery elm. So you'll see like underneath the traditional medicinals logo, say with slippery elm or with whatever. So that's something that I highly recommend because it is, it's easy. You don't have to do it on your own and you can just put it right into your hot water and it'll work well for you, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. DGL is also, um, really good deglycerized licorice. Okay. Um, really an amazing thing for people who have acid reflux and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just going to go out there and say, because I know a lot of people do for the love of God, do not take proton pump inhibitors or, you know, Tums like this is perpetuating the cycle of acid reflux. And this is something that your doctors aren't telling you that has tremendous consequences when you deplete your stomach acid, because Mm -hmm. the thing is people think they have too much stomach acid with acid reflux and they actually don't have enough. You're right. And you know, yeah, I love that you brought up stomach acid because this is one of the most foundational root causes to stomach health. Um, I'm not sure if you, if you were following me at the time, but I was diagnosed with SIBO and I had been diagnosed with IBS like mm-hmm. 10 years ago, right? Like your throwaway diagnosis. Yep. <laughs> and uh, when I finally had found a new doctor who I've been seeing for years, he's like, I really think you should test for SIBO. Like this is a Western trained doctor telling me to test for SIBO, which is right. not, not common. Very unlikely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it came back positive. And I was like, yeah, I don't have IBS. I have SIBO, Mm -hmm. but I had also been bulimic for seven years. And so my stomach acid was severely depleted. Right. Not only that, but the stress from Mm -hmm. having an eating disorder uh, over exercising. Mm -hmm. So I had dabbled with HCL before Mm -hmm. when I I was still bulimic at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I was probably 20, 21. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I knew like I was damaging myself. So I thought, right. oh, I'm going to try and mitigate this. Right. Um, but that was one of the big root causes for SIBO is because mm-hmm. I did not have adequate stomach acid. Right. And it took a long time to get me back to a place where I don't even have to use something like HCL and HCL is like a, a waxing and waning kind of supplement. Right. And I think it can be really beneficial if you actually need it. Yep. Um, right here, (laughs) but HCL was a game changer for Mm -hmm. me. And then your body tells you when you don't need it anymore, because like, I'll just pee out my bum. Like, yeah, I won't won't need it. And I'll, I can tell. Um, but that can also be extremely helpful. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I, so HCL is, oh, we have a huge, great, fantastic protocol that we use. Um, I felt like Donald Trump there, huge, great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so anywho, 
we have a really great protocol that we use from RWS and it's for stomach acid or the HCL supplements. And it gives you a very therapeutic way of using them. So, um, for example, like you would do so many one day or for a couple of days, or I guess three days, and then you would do so many for another three days, so many for another three days, you figure out, we kind of tell you, this is how you figure out what's best for you. Is it burning? Is it not, you know, mm-hmm. do you feel this warm sensation? And then we wean you off and as time goes on, but when we find your perfect amount, you're going to, and I'm sure you worked with this, you're going to stay on that amount for a while. And then we're going to wean you off and see if you're able to be weaned off. And that's, we don't want you to be on supplements forever. If you don't need to be on supplements forever, but it can be very beneficial for anybody who is extremely depleted. Right. And then we also have digestive bitters, which are really great for exactly, exactly. They're so great at getting that salivary or the saliva started to break down your food with those enzymes and break the, just the breaking down of your food, those digestive bitters, because I don't think a lot of people realize like there are so many, so many things that we can use that are whole food products that it might seem like it's a supplement, but it's actually whole foods, right? It's, and it's just like in a little tincture for you to be more beneficial and, and less stressful for you to be able to do this. So that's something that can be very beneficial for somebody who's like, I do not want to do supplements at all, but I, I want something that's whole foods and that can be beneficial for me, which is digestive bitters is a huge one. Um, but a lot of the products we use, I mean, there are some, you know, some of our supplements are more synthetic than they are, um, more natural, but a lot of the, and I, I know you talked about this today on your stories. I loved that. I, I really do truly believe that the supplement companies can be just as, um, they're, they're a company and they want to sell and they want you to be their consumer. So they're going to push all of these things. You need this, you need this. And they want to make a profit. They want to make a profit. Exactly. And so it is so important for us to really focus on food first, always, and foundational approach always, because if we can more than likely, you're going to be able to really do so many things beneficially optimize your health, reduce symptoms, enhance whatever you need enhanced, whatever you need enhanced just by going from a food first approach and a foundational approach. And I I just really feel like sometimes we are just so often hesitant to just be like, we need to take our time and really focus on the foundations because we want now. We want quick and we want fast results. And so we're going to do this crazy thing or buy this crazy product. And I'm guilty. I used to do that. I wanted crazy results quick and fast. Right. And, and oftentimes it just really screws us up or it's a supplement that makes you feel great, but you're going to have to take it for the rest of your life. If you want to feel great, right? Like these companies that are selling all these gut health protocols and these gut health things. And it's like that that is not going to fix your gut health. What's going to fix your gut health is that North to South digestion, healing and sealing that esophageal lining, getting your stomach acid built back up, really supporting your gallbladder and your liver, because those are huge, huge components of digestion, just overall health. And then really working on, you can go further. Like if you're working with me and you want to do like a GI map and an MRT food sensitivity test. Those, those are not for, I don't, and I won't use those for every single client because not every single client's going to need it because a lot of clients will be able to do foundational and food first approach. Right. 
which we'll do food first with GI map and everything too. But this GI map and the MRT food sensitivity test can give you a lot more information about the bacterial overgrowth or what bacteria is needed in your gut. And do you have a fungal overgrowth? Do you have parasites or are there signs of parasites? What's just what in general is going on in your gut that needs to be added to or needs to be reduced in there, right? And so we can have that. And then in conjunction, you can have an MRT food sensitivity test, a meteor release test, mediator release test, which tells us so many vital signs of like, what is our, what are our food insensitivities and what are the highest and what are the lowest? But even though it's a low food sensitivity, it could still be contributing to your gut intestine or your intestinal permeability because these foods are not reacting well with you. So getting rid of some of these foods that aren't reacting well to you while you're doing this nourishing gut protocol can be very beneficial. And so there's so much that goes into it. There really is. And so I just, it is so important, I think, to work with somebody one-on-one or work in a group of group with somebody who's maybe having a group or something going on that can really help you with your specific bio-individual needs. Because just because you have SIBO or just because you have this doesn't mean you have it exactly the same way as somebody else does. Mm -hmm. And so working with somebody can really help you figure out what are these actual markers that is inside of me that's showing me that I need to do this or I need to do that. Right. And I think that it's just very important for everybody to realize that just because somebody's doing something for their lupus or their SIBO doesn't mean that's exactly what you're going to do also. And that's not exactly what's going to work for you. It might, but it might not. And you might be extremely frustrated, constantly trying to figure it out on your own because there's so many, so many things out there that you can do, but what's good for you. Yeah. You know, and then you know, you address the stomach acid, but you also have to address what the cause of the low stomach acid was. Right. right. And that usually, and I know, uh, you know, when you, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. Well, I study psychology, right. so everything looks like a mental health condition, to me. Yep. <laughs> yep. but it's actually true, right? Yep. Like at the mm-hmm. root of, of everything is our mental health. I agree. And, and we do certain things that affect our physical health but they're driven out of our psychology. And so if we don't address the stress that caused the low stomach acid, well, the low stomach acid is just going to come back. Exactly. The nutritional deficiency is just going to come back. And so, you know, it, you have to address all of the moving parts because they're all connected. Right. They absolutely are. But the supplementation can be really helpful in the, in the interim. Exactly. And it, it absolutely can be. So for example, like if you have leaky gut, your, your gut's not absorbing all of those nutrients that your body needs. And so you're going to have your, you have this malabsorption. And so you're deficient in all of these minerals and nutrients that your body needs to, to be optimally healthy. Right. And we need, like, we need healthy fats for hormones. We mean, we need minerals for hormones. We need healthy fats and minerals for cells, like Mm. to keep them healthy. And, you know, we just need all these things that we eat are utilized 
for something in your body. Mm-hmm. We don't, that's why like some people are like, oh, I can eat whatever and just work out and I'll be fine. And that's the mindset I used to have. I would eat all this food and I would just work out like crazy. And I'm like, I look good. I must be healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. But we need to remember that literally food was provided for us for our health, for our cells, for our hormones, for function, for our brain function, for everything, everything in our body utilizes these, utilize these nutrients. Right. And so when we have leaky gut or intestinal permeability and we have these holes and it's just leaking out into our bloodstream and and then it's coming out where it's not completely broken down and we're just not getting all this absorption that we need to, our body is never going to be able to function optimally if we don't fix it. And it is so, so vitally important that, like you said, the mental health is so big because it really is so connected. And like I said earlier, that go, go, go mindset, we're, we're eating in our cars, we're eating while we're watching TV and we're watching the super stressful. And I'm guilty of sitting down and watching something while I eat every once in a while. Cause sometimes I'm like, I've just got to get like, my mind has been so busy today. I just want to watch something, eat my food, like eat my lunch. Sometimes I do that. And I'm guilty of that, but oftentimes I don't do that. And I do what I know is best for my body. And especially if you grew up where you like your crutch is TV or your crutch is music or whatever your crutch is, that's what you're going to use when you need to de-stress. Right. And so a lot of people de-stress in front of the TV with their meals and that can cause So just that can cause a depletion of stomach acid because you're, you're in a fight or flight stage sometimes when you're watching these crazy shows or these crazy movies, right? And you're distracted. You're so distracted. You're not focused on what you're eating. You didn't allow your brain to connect with your food, which allowed your saliva to produce, which allowed your stomach acid to get going and flowing. Right. And so that is a huge, huge factor. And you're, you're right. It just truly is your mental health is one of your men, your mentality in general is one of the biggest contributors to healthy digestion and a healthy gut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they also, so a lot of our serotonin is produced in our gut, yeah. right? We call that our second brain. And a lot of times we realize how, when we eat bad, we're going to feel bad mentally. Yes. And that's truly because of how we're fueling our bodies. We're not fueling again, what we eat, we're absorbing it for a reason, for a function in our body. And when we're absorbing these inflammatory hydrogenated oils, these canola, canola oils, vegetable oils, all that stuff, those are feeding our body in a negative way, causing inflammation and causing our brains to inflame and causing also mental health issues. Yep. Yep. It's all connected. It is all connected. Um, I was, I was going to say one thing about, I like how you brought up the liver as well. And you also mentioned things like milk, thistle, dandelion, um, liver supportive herbs are also good for digestion. And Mm -hmm. lots of the times when our digestion is sluggish, it's because our liver or our gallbladder isn't working properly. Uh, I love me a tincture. I love me a tincture and I have, yeah, I have a a really good, like liver supportive tincture with all of those herbs in it, but you could also Mm -hmm. drink dandelion tea. Some people hate dandelion tea. I love it. 
I started to the roasted dandelion. Yeah, if it's I love dandelion it. leaf, I'm like, yeah, not can't. about that. Yeah. No, but the roasted dandelion. Yeah, me too. I used to yeah. be like, eh, not sure, but now I'm like, where's my roasted root? I need that. <laughs> I, I mix it with a ginger. I do ginger, oh. dandelion, ginger. My husband will be like, dandelion, ginger. I'm like, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good. I'll have to try that. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. That. Really mm-hmm. good. So, what are some of the most common? contributing factors to poor gut health. I know that we talked about stress, Mm -hmm. um, mental health. You mentioned hydrogenated oils. People love to know about food and I like to know people's perspectives on foods. What do you think are kind of like the contributing factors when it comes to food and poor gut health? Okay. So I love this question. One of the, one of the biggest contributing factors, like we said, is stress, but also with our food, for example, if you're consuming a lot of grains, A lot of our grains nowadays, like you can, I know people hear this all the time, but you can go to Europe, you can eat all the food. I've never been to Europe. I would love to be, but (laughs) you can go to Europe and eat all the food, eat all the grains and you feel great. You don't feel bloated. You don't have that brain fog. And it's because their grains are completely different than what ours here, what ours are here. Now, our grains used to not be sprayed with pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, all this glyphosate. And when our food is sprayed with that, and we're eating that specifically grains, we have in our bodies, this chemical now, just this harmful chemical that is doing some wearing and tearing to our gut lining. And so oftentimes if a client wants to eat grains, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to completely take grains out of your diet, but please try to do an organic grain because more than likely your organic grain, we could be super technical and say, get a grain that says glyphosate free or glyphosate residue free so that you make for sure that there's no traces of glyphosate. But, and if, if you're listening and you don't know what glyphosate is, do some research on it. Cause it's super important to know what it is, but it's just a pesticide roundup. It's called roundup. Round it yep. is roundup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cease and desist. Um, but we, um, really want to stay away from it. It is very harmful for our bodies. It, it literally kills pests, right? It kills bugs and it kills pests. It kills animals, bees. And so it's just killing all of our wildlife. So if we, if it's killing them, it's not doing like the best thing to us. Right. And so not saying we're the same as them, but it's still. And in large hard. doses over a prolonged period of time, people are consuming this stuff and, exactly. and it will have deleterious consequences. Eventually. Exactly. You're, you're 100% Look at farmers correct. who use glyphosate. I mean, the rates of cancer among farmers that, that use glyphosate and pesticides. I mean, the, that's irrefutable. That, exactly. That's a well-known fact. Well, and then you also look at like these football coaches that are getting cancer after years and years and years of coaching on the football field mm. and the, you know, and it's just all these pesticides are sprayed on these fields. And that's what I think. Like my husband loves golfing and oh, yeah, I'm just, I know. and I go with him and I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just like filled with chemicals right now, but I try not to have that mindset know, because I'm like, it's just the world. Like every <laughs> single place I step and anytime I step on grass, I'm probably stepping on a chemical. So I just have to like get out of that mindset, but sure. it truly, and just think about how harmful it is. So ingesting it is even more harmful to us. And again, like you said, like we just ingest and ingest and ingest, and it's like, Oh, a little bit here and there is fine. But if you're eating a little bit of this and eating a little bit of that and a little bit of that, it's going to build up over time. It's still getting into your system and causing toxic burden buildup in your body. And so glyphosate is one of the biggest things that I say, or 
just staying away from non-organic grains is one of the biggest things. I also say, try to eat like a sprouted grain. The Ezekiel bread is really good or is a lot better for you if you're wanting to eat something like that. Um, but organic grains are better for you than non-organic grains because of that reason. Um, but also gluten, <laughs> I know this is a huge topic huge and topic. I, a huge topic, but gluten releases, um, it triggers the release of zonulin in our bodies, which is also a contributing factor to wearing and tearing our, gut, our intestinal lining. So that is something that we want to look at is just like, <sighs> I know like every once in a while I'll go out and I'll have something with gluten. I'm not going to lie. I am, I am very gluten-free for the most part. Um, I do actually buy this bread that, or this, it's, um, a flour. It's an ancient organic kamut grain, 100% organic. And that's what I, I make my homemade sourdough with. I make my homemade bread with, if I want homemade bread. Um, but I really like, I don't even go out. I don't buy hamburger buns. I make my own hamburger buns and even though it does, it has very low traces of gluten in it, but even though it's a very low trace of gluten, like it, I don't notice it doing anything to me. Like I do when I go out and eat actual yeah. gluten at a restaurant. Yeah. So I eat this type of grain, this, this organic ancient grain that is very low in gluten because it has been okay for me, but that doesn't mean it's going to be okay for you. Right. And some people can handle gluten a lot better than others, but I'm, I will say if you have a lot of skin issues, if you have a lot of irritable bowel issues of any sort, gastrointestinal issues. If you have any sort of GI upset, skin issues, anything like that, brain fog, get rid of the gluten for a while. See it's how you try. Yeah. It is worth a try. See how you feel. And it is so, it's just like people nowadays are like, oh, we're gluten-free. Like, you know, they kind of, they kind of poke fun at you and stuff, but it's like, I would rather people poke fun at me for what I eat than me feel like crap all the time, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I have learned to be okay with that. Yeah. And that that's been a long time of having to deal with stuff like that. But I also, you know, there are people who are going to be like, I'm not okay with getting rid of gluten. And that is to each their own, but you're going to have to really decide how do you feel? And if you are feeling bad, 98% of the time, or even 80% of the time, try to get rid of gluten, see how you feel. Right. And maybe it's not a forever. Maybe it's a for right now. Maybe it's a while, for right now while your gut is healing. Exactly. While you're doing a gut healing, there are so many people who, especially like NTPs who have reintroduced, who have had to get rid of dairy, who have had to get rid of um, gluten and they reintroduce it into their diet and they do great after they do a gut healing protocol and they've been working on their gut for a while. And so when we do a gut healing protocol, gut healing is forever. You're, you, you might do like this super intense gut healing protocol for a certain amount of time, like one, three, six months, maybe nine months. But after that, you're going to want to continue to contribute things into your lifestyle. Like some of the foods we've mentioned before and the bone broth daily, or just anything daily, like the tea daily, or, you know, just like a nourishing tincture daily that is going to help contribute and just eat the most nourishing foods you possibly can. Another thing that is super a lot of times that can be super detrimental to a lot of people's symptoms is dairy 
And that's because I truly believe that like full fat, raw dairy can be super nutrient dense and super, super beneficial to most people's diets. I really, truly do. And I know that's a huge controversial topic, but that's just my belief. And, but I also do believe that there are, and a lot of times if, if you do well with dairy, you might do well with like cheese, yeah. cottage cheese, yogurt, but you might not do great with like raw milk. Yeah. And that's just because it's complete. It's a different breakdown and your body handles that differently. So you might do better with like the cheese, like that, the yogurt and all that more than you do with the raw milk. And so if you, if you notice that, then don't continue the raw milk just because you think it's super beneficial for you. Right. Um, if you're experiencing symptoms after reintroducing it to you into your diet, but some people while they have leaky gut and a lot of people who have autoimmune diseases really just don't do well with dairy products in general. And so getting rid of that while you're doing a healing protocol can be extremely beneficial as well. But with eliminating those, you are eliminating a lot of nutrient nutrients from your diet. So you have to make for sure you make up for it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, the biggest issue that we have with dairy is when we're eating, eating or drinking conventional dairy, conventional dairy from mass production agriculture. And that's because like, for example, milk cows, a lot of them are fed Skittles before they are, or at the end of their, what term so that they can have more milk production. And so just think if the cows are eating Skittles, we're drinking Skittles, right? (laughs) And it's, we are what they absorb. And just like we are what we eat and what we absorb, we are what they absorb as well. We're drinking that or we're eating that. And so these cows are fed things. They are, they are fed so many of these crazy things just to make for sure that they're fattened up and they have more milk production for us. They are raised in very small, um, quarters and they don't have the sunlight. They don't have the grass to eat on. They are not raised how they were, they're supposed to be raised. And this not only is it just bad for them and their health, but it's bad for the meat that we are eating. And, and when people say like, you shouldn't eat meat because it's known to be carcinogenic, that's the type of meat that is not great for you is when these, these animals are raised in this crazy, dark dungeon, tight quarter type of lifestyles. And they're fed all these grains that are sprayed with pesticides and glyphosate, and they're eating all of the GMOs, they're eating all of that. And so they're more inflammatory, for example. So cows or chickens or anybody who's fed these inflammatory oil type of grains with the glyphosate and the GMOs, they have high, they're higher in omega sixes. So when we're consuming them, the omega, omega six fatty acids are pro-inflammatory. The omega threes are anti-inflammatory. So when we're eating these conventionally raised products, these meat products and this dairy, we're, we're drinking and we're eating pro-inflammatory foods. But when we get from like pasture raised or um, grass fed and regenerative type farming animals, we're eating more omega threes, which are anti-inflammatory, which are more nutrient better for us because we're supposed to be eating like omega sixes to omega threes. We're supposed to be eating like a two to one or one to one ratio, but we're eating like 
20 some, 30 some omega-6s to one omega-3 nowadays. That is insane. That is a huge jump from what we're supposed to be eating. So these conventionally raised milk products and everything also are stripped away of all these nutrients. And we're just left with like the bare minimum nutrients, if any. And then they're also filled with a ton of synthetic fillers, which there's no reason for us to be drinking when we could be drinking this raw milk that is God given with all of this nutrients and extremely nutrient dense food and full fat and just so great for us instead of this, that is just full of synthetic fillers is stripped away of all of its nutrients. It's like, what's the point, right? What is the point? And so dairy and meat go hand in hand when it comes to how the animal is raised is so extremely important. That's why I always say, if you get your food and I, I like to say that fed is best (laughs) for adults and for babies, but when we're trying to think of our optimal health and trying to better ourselves where we can getting grass-fed raw dairy and grass-fed meat is better than getting conventional dairy and conventional meat, getting pasture raised chickens than conventionally raised chickens and pasture raised pork than just this conventional raised pork there. It's so, and a lot of people stay away from pork in general, just because pigs are gross. <laughs> they, yeah. they eat a lot of things. They're very intelligent little... as well. And very empathetic. I mean, all animals are very empathetic, if, right. but I mean, right. um, yeah, that, that's a whole nother tangent. That's a whole, <laughs> I know that's a whole other tangent. And so I, and like, the thing is when, when we eat these foods, like I said, there, we can choose, we have to get in that mindset. Are we choosing pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory? Are we choosing to eat all this pesticide, pesticide ridden food, or are we choosing to eat organic foods that don't have the pesticides and the GMOs and all that, because it's better for us. And my husband and I were talking the other day and it's like, we spend a lot of money on our food, but we are, that's where we want to spend our food. Cause we want to have, we want to live and have quality lives full of just health and abundance and quality, as opposed to feeling like terrible every single day and knowing the type of food we're eating and feeling bad because of the type of food that we're eating and not being able to enjoy life because of how we're eating. So we do spend more money on our food than other things, but it's like, I don't go shopping all the time because I choose to spend my money on quality foods. Right. So we do have to just be careful about what we're buying, how we're buying it. And I, I always say too, like vegetables and fruits, can be the exact, it can be very harmful for you as well if they're sprayed with all these pesticides. So the biggest thing, if you're trying to save money, I do say you need to buy organic when you can, but look at the dirty dozen and the clean, clean 15, because that's going to be, you can go on EWG's website and find that there. It is very beneficial because you don't have to buy absolutely everything organic. Um, like, like I do, you don't have to buy everything organic and be like me, but I'm, I'm just a crazy person when it comes to that. But that is a great way to look at, okay, how can I save some money here? You know, dirty dozen clean 15. And what we do also when we buy our meats, we go, we got 
uh, six of a cow from a regenerative farm here. And they raise their cows very well. They raise their animals fantastic. And, and it's better for us and it's better for them and it's better for the earth and but building relationship with local farmers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the farmers, farmers don't do it for the money. They do it mm-hmm. to, to provide the world with the, what the world needs to be provided with. And they don't make, they don't make a ton of money from doing it. And it's really hard work. So if you can support somebody local, it's very beneficial official. Yeah. Yeah. I love all that. So, wow. That's a lot of information. We could just keep talking for hours I know. and hours. <laughs> I There's so say, much to talk about. I will say, um, before, before we get to the fun questions, um, bone broth was a big game changer for me and I am lazy. I buy the powdered bone broth, like okay. the, the cage free chicken one or the grass fed grass finished beef one. Like I just do. I'm not, I'm just going to gotta do real. what you gotta do. But I drink that every morning. Mm-hmm. The mornings I don't drink that, I notice that my stomach is not not in great shape. And I like I've been doing gut healing from SIBO for you know almost a year, and I'm finally able to add dairy back in. And I have mm-hmm. added dairy. I don't know if you saw that post that I talked about how dairy can be beneficial. Ooh, that got some hate. Got oh, some oh my gosh. Am, yes. I'm like, I don't want to post ever again. People are so mean. Yeah, was, <laughs> I'm like, do you know what? I was able to get my period back by eating full fat dairy. So exactly. I'm, I'm not really worried about what you said. And they're <laughs> right. like, you're endorsed by the dairy industry. I'm like, I, I was dairy free for like five yeah. years. Right. Block. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Whatever. You'll never see my stuff yeah. again. <laughs> and I actually, um, like I was gluten-free, hard gluten-free. It was a huge contributing factor for my ill gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've finally been able to add small amounts, um, every now and then, but I, I do sourdough and that would be the only thing that I would. I love that. I love that you're sharing that you, I'm sorry. My, <laughs> I thought my husband got home. I'm so distracted. Um, yeah. I love that you're sharing that you took those things out for your healing journey specifically, and it helped you. And you knew that, and you had that mentality of like, I want to heal. And that is what I'm dedicated to doing. And so now you are able to try it and reintroduce it. And since it works for you, then you're going to be able to reintroduce some of that back into your diet. And I think that's so important because it's like, again, like we said, you have to decide what you want. Do you want to do everything you can to heal? Or do you want to continue to live the life that you're living and just kind of like deal with it? Yep. And, and I will say, uh, when I go out to restaurants, I still, um, make everything gluten-free because Mm -hmm. it's not the quality that I would want unless I'm, you know, we go to a really bougie restaurant and it's like, you have a starter of like a house-made sourdough bread. I'm like, I'm all over that for sure. Um, and even if like the dairy is not going to be the quality, I would say dairy free as well when I go out because then I can just, I mean, you're going to get the seed oils anyways, which isn't better, but right. (laughs) You got to pick your poison, right? You do. You absolutely do. I agree. And depending on where you are in your health journey too, it can be very hard to go out to eat. And that's why like, I'm very fortunate that my husband, when we first met, he would burn everything, but then Mm -hmm. he just became this culinary artist and is the, like a huge, huge inspiration to me. <laughs> like he knows how to cook everything. Sometimes I'm like, I don't, when's the last time I've cooked like a month ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's everything. 
it's fantastic. And he, I mean, I cook a lot. He cooks a lot and he knows what I use. We don't, I mean, we don't cook anything or sorry, keep anything in our house that I wouldn't want to use in our food. Um, so that's helpful. But even when we did still have some things here and there, like a few years ago, when we were kind of filtering out, he would still be like, Oh wait, is this what I'm supposed to use for this? Is this how I'm supposed to do this? But it's, it's great when you learn how to cook because we'll go out to eat now and we'll be like, we wish we would have just made our meal at home because we could have made this so much better. So learning how to cook is better for your health and can be better for your taste buds as well. <laughs> 100%. Okay. So as you know, I like to finish off with some fun questions. Yeah. So now, now you are the recipient of these fun questions. Yay. <laughs> okay. If you were stranded on a desert Island and could only pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay. Pickles. <laughs> Wow. I've never gotten that answer. I love pickles so much. <laughs> Do you make your own? So sometimes, but the, um, Grilco, I mean, I don't have, if you've heard of those, no. they're, they're from Costco or I mean, they're at the store too, but like they're expensive. So if you get them, you want to get them from Costco, if you can, they're just so good, but I do make like pickled beets and pickles and pickled red onions at home. Oh, and I, love I mean, pickled red onions. me too, me too. But there's just something about pickles that like mm. I could eat them every day, all day. I need a recipe for pickled red onions. Cause I was craving them the other day and I've never pickled anything. Really? My, my German grandparents would be very upset. But <laughs> they would be upset. <laughs> yes. But well, um, I'll give you a super easy recipe. It's like yeah. three ingredients and it's super easy. Yeah. hundred percent. I'll take that. Awesome. What is the best meal you've ever eaten? Oh my goodness. Okay. You know, I just have to say my grand, like my dad's parents are Italian. So I grew up on all the gluten, all the dairy, all of that. And they make the best homemade red sauce, Italian sausage and Italian roast beef sandwiches. So just like that all combined in one meal is the best, like Mm. hands down the best. Mm. Mm. What's your least favorite food? Okay. So this is really hard because I love all foods. So I honestly would say, and this is going to be a tough one for a lot of you guys to swallow, (laughs) but I would say anything that has like fig and goat cheese. Okay. And that is like so many people in this community love figs and love goat cheese, but for some reason, those two combined not doing it. I'm not even going to tell you what it makes me think of. No, Mm. we, I had something that was big and goat cheese at this restaurant, downtown Charleston. And I don't want to say the name because the restaurant's fantastic, but this side dish, I like my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, nope, nope. His grandparents were eating it up. They took us to dinner and we were just like, absolutely not. (laughs) So that was the worst thing I ever had, but that restaurant's fantastic. Everything in Charleston's fantastic, but that new was not good. Okay. Okay. So worst combination for me. Okay. (laughs) What's your favorite restaurant? Ooh, my favorite restaurant. So we here in Charleston, everything's here in Charleston. I love, um, so Hall's chop house is a really big steakhouse here. And we love Hall's Chop House, but I also really love, there's a place called Poppy's Taqueria on the beach. 
and they just have like, I mean, it's not great for my diet, but they have really great tacos and margaritas. So I, Hall's Chop House and Poppy's Taqueria, if you're ever in the Charleston area, great places to visit. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go. Like I love traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we start to travel again, uh, I, I, I need to go back to like all the podcasts and look at people's favorite restaurants and go there. Yes, absolutely. That's the best. Th- I mean, that's the best part of your podcast is to know all the good restaurants. I know. You're going. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Everything's great about your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite travel destination that you've been to? You know, I've been out of the country one time. And it was the Caribbean. It was oh, so yeah. much That's fun. A good one. Yeah. Andrew's friends. They're so fun. They, the one was a captain of this couple's sailboat, this older couple sailboat in the Caribbean. And this was in 2020. So it was right before everything oh, yeah. happened. We were in the Caribbean with seven of our friends. The, the older couple was like, Hey, why don't you ask some of your friends to come down that you can stay on the boat for the week we leave. And then they were like selling their sailboat after that. So we were able to stay on it, us and like seven other friends, or it was like seven of us for a week. And we were in the Caribbean, just, we sailed to all the islands and, um, we literally just like, we stayed on the boat and I almost had a heart attack when we sailed 12 hours overnight. I, I never done that before. I'm like, I'm with a bunch of hooligans sailing this boat and I don't like I'm underneath here trying to sleep, but I'm not going to sleep tonight. Are you kidding me? I, the boat felt like it was oh, tipping. No. I know. And no. I know I'm so scared of the ocean in general. So I was like, I was dying, but it was honestly the most amazing trip ever. And so on, I would just say like, as of right now, anywhere in the Caribbean, but I really want to travel like with my heritage being like Italian. I really would love to travel to, well, Sicily, I would love to travel around there, but I really want to go to, um, I want to go to Greece. So, but so far there, but my, oh, I should probably say this, but my favorite place that feels like it's like my second home is Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's just like in the mountains. It's just like a cute little place. And so I love that too. Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) What are, excuse me, your non-negotiable health practices? Great question. So my non-negotiables, my husband thinks I'm crazy most of the time. He's, he's getting on board though, but quality water, making sure I have quality water. Um, I was drinking not like the, um, like mineral mountain water for a long time. Just that got so expensive. And then I was drinking, um, we do have a really good filter for our fridge, but I just don't like how it all like goes through your fridge. You don't really know what's in there. So distilled water is huge for me. Um, but any, just making sure your water is filtered is so, so important. So that's my non-negotiable is making sure that I'm always drinking filtered water. Um, and then also no inflammatory oils and unless we're out to eat, I know that that's so in my house, no inflammatory oils ever. We don't use any like table salt. We'd have all sea salt, pink Himalayan salt, Redmond's real salt. And, um, we make for sure that like, we don't buy any bad, like any, I hate to say bad. I don't want to say bad, but like any less snacks, 
less optimal snacks, any snacks that just have any harmful ingredients in it. And mostly just snacks. We keep mostly whole foods in our house. So we, my non-negotiable in general is just keeping my home the healthiest place and the most non-toxic place that I can be. And so when I do go out in the world and I do go do something and I want to eat somewhere or whatever, I know I'm coming home to a very healthy, non-toxic environment. So I would say that's my biggest non-negotiable because I know some people are like, oh, I can, I can buy the Oreos and have one a week, or I can buy the Doritos and have half the bag in a week or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just not even going to put my, cause I would rather go out to a restaurant and have a couple things that maybe I wouldn't have usually, but come home and just not have any of that stuff in my house. Because one, I've had a binge eating issue in the past as well. And that's something that I, I do struggle with when anything is in the house that is like that just, and that's not necessarily my fault either that it, I think it stemmed from blood sugar issues at first, but then I, it became an emotional crutch. But also the food is made to be addictive, right? Yeah. yeah. So when we're eating that, oftentimes it's not even, it's just the chemicals in our brains that make us want to eat all that. So my non-negotiable in its entirety is just keeping my home the healthiest and safest place that it can be. And, And if you know that that's something you struggle with, then that's a wise decision. Exactly. If you struggle with alcohol, you should probably not keep alcohol in your house. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's, right. It's, it's wise. I think that's yeah. wisdom. I was, I was just addicted to snacky foods as somebody with alcoholism or an alcohol issue would be addicted to alcohol because that's what it does to your brain. Yep. It yep. truly does. It's, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. What is the happiest moment of your life? Oh, the happiest moment. So I would say the day I got married, but it was like a whirlwind of a day. Um, We were supposed to get married in 2020 and with my, yeah, with my husband being in the Navy, we couldn't have a big gathering, whatever. So um, we ended up like actually calling our family in July. So we were supposed to get married in November of 2020. So a few months before in July, we called up our, both of our families and we're like, can you be here in two weeks? <laughs> we're going to go. So have you seen the notebook? Yeah. Have you seen where they write? Well, obviously, you know, where they ride in the canoe with yeah. the, yeah. with the, whatever they are ducks or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's at Cypress gardens, which is like 10 minutes from our house. And so we go there all the time. So we ended up calling them. We're like, can we get married there? And they're like, oh yeah, just come in and find a spot to get married and you can get married. Now, if you had a big ceremony, you'd have to pay, but we were just having like our parents and our siblings. And so we ended up going there and my direction, I'm so directionally challenged. Okay. We've been there a hundred times and I, I went left instead of right. If you go right, take 10 steps and you're at this gazebo that we were getting married at. I was already late to my wedding with my parents and my grandparents and my siblings, I took them left, which is a mile Oh no! in July when it's like 95 degrees and hundred percent humidity. I'm in heels and on our way with to all your makeup wedding, on <laughs> all my makeup. Okay. On our way. So I'm already like 20 minutes late. And so we're walking, like it took us another like 20 minutes to get there there's a huge rattlesnake in the middle of the path. So we're just like standing there. We're like, we have to turn around. We trying to figure out what to do. Finally, we ended up getting there. It looked like it was going to thunderstorm. 
it didn't thunderstorm. So I would say, I mean, that is one of the happiest days of my life, but my husband did, he proposed to me on new year's day of 20 or 2019 at the beach, one of our favorite places here. And I had zero idea he was going to do it. So I would say like, that was my favorite day. Cause it was just so special. It was just us and our dog. And it was so the sunset and it was so magical and unexpected. So that was like my favorite day ever, but my wedding day was definitely like almost tied, but yeah, it was just like crazy. It was so funny, but both of those days were super special. Amazing. Yeah. And what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health? Okay. So one of the biggest pieces of advice that like I had to learn on my own that I would love to give anybody else that I do give other people is that you, you have to just do what you can do in the moment, but you have to remember to always think about what is actually like, how do I actually feel and how do I want to feel? Because ultimately, if you're feeling pretty terrible at the moment and you know you want to feel better, but you just have this mental block that's not allowing you to get past that and get to optimal health, then there's some reassessing that you need to do internally and mentally before you can really heal yourself. Because healing is mental and emotional, just as we talked about how much it is physical earlier. And so just doing what you can do at the moment, but just really thinking about where do you want to be? Where are you now? And what steps do you have to take to get there? Cause it's going to be a hard journey and it's, it will not be easy. Healing is the most emotionally and mentally taxing thing you're going to do ever. And we never arrive and we never arrive, but we can always feel better We just have to put in work and effort. And if you need to fire your doctor, fire your doctor and find somebody who is going to actually listen to you and not make you feel like you have no idea what you're talking about. If they make you feel little, then you need to find a new doctor, find somebody who will listen to you. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And where can people find you? So my Instagram is just at live well with Josie and you can go to my website, www.livewellwithjosie.com. Also, there's not much on there, just my package pricing and what I do. Um, but Instagram is where I do most of my time and my website just has my information. So I'd love to connect with anybody who wants to. Wonderful. Well, it has been so great having you on your yes. wealth of knowledge. We could, we could have just kept talking. I felt like I was just like chatting with a girlfriend for the oh, whole time. I know. It, was wonderful. It, was, it was so nice. It was so nice. I love talking. Like I love talking with anybody that you just jive with, you know, and yeah. it's hard to talk to somebody where you're just kind of in an interview position, but I did not feel that way with you. I felt very comfortable. And so I'm super grateful that you asked me to be on here. Wonderful. Well, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show and please leave me a review. You know, your reviews are what get this podcast out there and it would mean the world to me if you left one. You can also follow me on Instagram at underscore Lena, L-E-N-A. 
underscore Jade, J-A-D-E, where I post nutrition, psychology, and health content pretty much every day. All right, well, that is it for today. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day today, always remember, you are powerful over your health.